So it's seven metres out. Australia needs to try to win the game. Cobain takes the line out. Australia trying to drive ahead. Regan again. And Larkham. Kefu. Bledisloe Cup 2020. It's happening. We were waiting a long time. We didn't know if it was going to happen, but Wellington, this Sunday, the 11th of October, 4pm kickoff, an afternoon game. Haven't had an afternoon game in Wellington for the Bledisloe since John Eels kicked that famous penalty to win it for Australia. Is it time? You are listening to the Running Rugby Podcast, Archie, Toby and Leo. We're here and we're pumped, boys. It's time for Blood is Low Rugby. It's what we love to see. Can't wait for this weekend. Boys, how are you feeling? Pumped. I want to see who this Wallabies team ends up being, who's who's playing where. We've only got one lock. Sorry, we've got two locks. We've only got one locked-in selection, which will be Hooper at captain. Um, you know, there's a lot of different ways that Rennie could go with this side, so it would be really exciting to see his first selection. I'm pumped. Yeah, and I always kind of get that extra, I don't know, excitement going when it's Wallaby season. You know, Super Rugby's good, and we're always pumped for that, but it's a whole nother level when they pull on the gold. There's never been, obviously, more, like, question marks over what direction Rennie's going to take this team. He's been pretty quite um, tight-lipped about who he's going to start, who he's thinking, where he's going to lean, and even there's been even a lot of New Zealand media talking about who they think should be starting in the Wallabies. There's been different names chucked around by different players, um, highlighting the skills they think that are uh, inherent in this Wallabies team and what kind of mix of youth and um, experience that they're, they're going to put out there. I, I just can't can't wait to, to see what, what we actually get to see, and I hope it lives up to expectation. There's a lot of expectation around this team, you have to admit. Even though it's a young team, there's a lot of guys that seem like they're they're being looked at as the future of Australian rugby of Wallabies. Yeah, I don't know if it's like expectation for results straight away, though. I think in terms of their performances, yes, I think, you know, if they get picked, we expect them to step up to the mark. I just not, I'm not sure how quickly that will translate into superb results for the Wallabies. And I think the general public probably don't expect a lot from the Wallabies playing New Zealand, but we could from this very first game get a real surprise if Rennie... He hasn't had a lot of time with them, but if he puts a plan in place, he knows the All Blacks play well. He knows how New Zealand plays rugby. Um, so I expect tactically us to be up to it, and hopefully if we stick to his game plan, we can keep it close and keep it entertaining. Well, morale looks high. We've seen lots of pictures from quarantine of the boys. They obviously had that time where they weren't allowed to all train together. They've got through that. Um, they've been out in the park. They've been in the gym together. They've been celebrating birthdays um, away in their quarantine facility. What what are the tactics you think? Because we've, we've had come off this era of Michael Checker, and we were talking about it before we started recording, that Checker had a very cemented attitude that doesn't matter how your opposition plays, this is the way I'm going to play. What are you hmm. expecting out of Checkable. Rennie compared to that? I'd have to look back at the Chiefs a bit more, but I think 
he's going to be a lot smarter with the way he plays rugby. He's going to prepare, you know, for each team differently, which I think, as we've talked about, Checker just thought if you have the ball in hand, you play attacking footy, you play possession game, you know, almost high-risk, high-reward rugby, then you'll score enough points to win the game. Um, and that's led to the last five, ten years or so, I mean, the five years under Checker, we've just been conceding 30 to 40 points to the mm. All Blacks every game. And generally, we're losing to them. You know, we've pulled out a few good results in that. But when we've won games against them, we've probably scored 35-plus. Um, and I think Rennie will have a very different mindset around that. And I think defence will become a lot more important. And I think maybe kicking and just all around, just tactically not being as aggressive with the ball, I think. He'll, he'll look to play smart in New Zealand and look to play to the conditions. Um, I just think Checker do you think he'll... was a bit too single-minded in his approach. Do you think he'll focus on the forwards game a bit more? I feel like Checker's sort of version of attack was swinging it wide side to side and trying to get around him. Do you reckon he's going to yeah. try and maybe narrow narrow his plan of attack for at least sort of like your opening sort of stanza in this game? I think maybe. I mean, because you've got Wisemantle in there from the England setup, they may look to keep it a bit more tight um, in the forwards and and really look for your opportunities out wide and not push those opportunities. Because I think in the past we've tried to play side to side and it hasn't worked. You can't just go around the All Blacks. You've got to earn that right to go through them, I think, first and then, you know, look for those holes where they are, where they are and not not try and create something out of nothing. I think the Wallabies just haven't been a smart team under Checker. I think initially I was a fan of the way they played back around 2015 after the Tars had been on their run. But I think that's outdated now. We need to be smarter. Yeah, I don't think you can take an attitude that every phase is an opportunity to break the line and, and score points. If you think you're going to break the line or you're forcing your hand every phase, uh, I think that's where you generate errors because the guys feel like they're under pressure to make something out of it. And I think that's unrealistic. So the expectation of mine, not not knowing a whole lot about Rennie really, me personally, but uh, I would like to see an approach where they're focused on possession. So, if, you know, you can only score points if you've got the ball. Be really strong in the forwards. Look to look to get gain, uh, gain line dominance, uh, but be very secure around the ball because you know that the All Blacks um, probably looking at our... Um, our back row stocks, particularly if we do end up with Liam Wright and Hooper involved in the back row, I think there's there's plenty of um, sort of ruck strength and, and pilfering um, nows in that group. So they will probably try and counter with that. If we can hold the ball, and you've got to be patient. You've got to use some phases as setup. Use some phases to drag the opposition into um, sort of positions that they don't really want to be in, but they have to because you've got that game line dominance. They have to commit an extra guy. Then they have to step another guy in to post up around the ruck. Um, and then you look, you know, you, we talked about it a bit earlier. Um, if you're looking at the field in, in two halves across its width, if you suddenly get a 10 and 5 split, um, or maybe it's not 10 and 5, your fullback's out the back somewhere, but, you know, you get that numerical advantage on one side that's where you need to then get the ball to that position with a few extra players as quickly as possible and what i hope we've got in this group 
is a more skillful group of players with those fundamental ball skills because I think that let us down mm. um, over and over and over when we were always trying to make everything out of every phase. You just have drop ball, you have people running bad lines, you know, lo- slow lobby passes that are easy to mm. to slide in defence and just contain. It wasn't it wasn't a good tactics. It wasn't good tactics. So uh, I would hope that Rennie's a bit more focused on. All right, we're going to start with this. Here's the fundamentals, but mm. we've got to be adaptable. Um, I mean, that's that's attack, but then in defence, we've got to be adaptable. We can't just think this will work in all situations. I I really want to see the movement away from this the pod system that we've seen for multiple years. And I remember I remember talking to one of my mates who used to play touch footy with it was a Kiwi bloke and. He, he pointed out at the wall, he's like, you guys are still playing in pods. This was two or three years ago. And he's like, we haven't done that, like, for five years. Like, that's sort of something the All Blacks coined, and then everyone adopted it. And then they went, actually, no, we're going to spread ourselves out so you can't tell where our attack's coming from. So I really hope mm. we see that sort of moving away from that sort of classical play. And that completely, like, that that's exactly my point about being adaptable that if you create a structure which at some point that pod structure was advantageous and running it against whatever the dominant style at the time was you had an advantage and when teams figured that out and adjusted and then knew what to expect they were they were reacting better and and not being dominated by these grouped players breaking the line and supporting one another in which case the All Blacks then pivot again and you look at, okay, well now they're set up this way defensively for our attack. The the way to capitalise on that structure where the weak points are is to do this. And if anyone takes one game plan into a game and just blindly flogs it for 80 minutes, I mean, to me, that's really dumb coaching. You yeah, can't that's, expect you should to be take fired. the same tactics in. You, you've got to look at what's happened in 20 coaching. minutes. Yeah, if... if Imagine a team has watched the Wallabies training and they know exactly what they're going to do. And the first 20 minutes, you implement your little strategy perfectly and it gets you nowhere. You've got to look at that and go, okay, what are they doing that's counteracting our what, what we had in place and how can we... That You know, you've got to be intelligent enough as a coach and, and as a player um, to see what they're doing and how you can counter that. And every, every measure has a countermeasure. So that's what the coaches up in the box with the elevation. They should be able to pick that out, send the messages down, adapt, and each you know break the game out of being an eighty-minute block of two halves. It should be you know down into fifteen, twenty-minute, maybe quarters even. And you know you've got to make adjustments. And any any coach that carries one strategy into the game that doesn't include adapting to what you're receiving from the opposition is just they're just going to get out coached. It's it's how to work. And it's also you know even more important when you play in the All Blacks. We play them at least three times a year. We're the team that plays them the most in the world, so they know us the best out of any teams they play as well. Absolutely. So if we're too predictable, you know, even more so, they're going to work us out pretty quickly over those that stretch, and each year we're not really going to have an advantage over them. We need to be more unpredictable, more adapt, adaptive to what the game's actually looking like. But if you're saying and, like unpredictable, that sounds more like taking more risks and do playing what's in front of you. No, not unpredictable and taking risks. Just playing what's in front of you more. I think. 
that's unpredictable. You're playing to the game that you're given mm. or you're defining that game a little bit, but you're not saying, well, this game, I predict it's going to go like this, so I'm going to play like this. And even if we're down 20 at halftime, we're going to keep pushing that because we know we've trained like this during the week. Um, we've been playing like this for the last two years and this is this is what's worked most of the time. So we're going to keep going with it. I think every game is different. If it's wet, you're going to kick more. If you know, There's just certain things you look at and if you're playing the All Blacks, you want to limit compounding your errors and their counterattack. So you've got to look towards their strengths, I think, and try and meet them head on, not just ignore them and say we're stronger overall, we need to keep playing to our one plan. The, po- the point is it's, it's not as one-dimensional as we're a stronger unit. You know, you've got a lot of individual players who have all these different skills, guys who've come up through the ranks of various um, competitions and proven to be really talented um you know maybe they've got a narrow skill set maybe they've got a broad skill set whatever but these guys have uh certain talent that you need to be utilizing so whatever your game plan is that goes that goes to our next point though we're picking guys hopefully in their positions yes so they're playing we're not saying this is the wallaby system we're going to fit you into this system we're saying these are your strengths. Let's tailor the Wallaby system to who That's we're playing right. each week. That's if it's exactly Noah, we look doing. at his weaknesses and we adapt to that. We don't just say, well, Maddie Tamil did this last week. You need to do the same thing. And, you know, he may not be up to that. You need to adjust on the fly. Yeah. Um, I can't tell you who's going to be 10. I think it's going to be O'Connor. Um, and if you pick O'Connor, you know, does that mean that you pick Tate because of the combination? And you got the veteran and the rookie. Or do you go Noah and then maybe you pick Nick White so had a bit more time in the Brumbies together. So a lot of these selections are going to be quite interesting and I hope that they'll just have a game plan. You know, maybe they're picking based on the matchups with the All Blacks or they're picking for the future, I'm not sure. But either way, it's going to be really interesting to see what they do. The way I look at it at this point in the cycle is you've brought your group together, you've had a whole, you know... Rennie will have his philosophy on styles of play, whether it's forwards focused like a Brumbies style, whether it's um, you know more Reds, you know hard, hard defense, capitalize on some counter attack, more expansive backs play, take some risks, um, wh- whichever it is. But then you bring that in and you look at the players you've got and you look at the strengths and weaknesses and you say, how do I need to amend my strategy? to suit the tools I've got because the players can only do what they can do and you're not going to teach them an entire new set of skills to suit your game plan within the time they've had so far. In a four-year World Cup cycle, if you can see that your style of play, if you honestly believe it's going to be the dominant style and it will get you on the front foot in every game and, again, you adapt from there, sure, maybe over the long game you, you, you work on those guys and develop certain skill areas to be to be um, stronger in your group, but what we want to see is specialists. We want to see um, guys who have a range of skills. So Connor has shown that he's very flexible. Noah looks like he's got a lot of different skills, uh, and he's just really, you know, I guess for him, it's um, he's untested at that level, and whether he can hold up under the pressure of of a Bledisloe cauldron. Um, you know, yeah. we'd and- love to see someone like Simone at twelve because he's got strong passing game, throws a good hard flat pass throws accurate passes deep in behind to the second second line of backs, can put little chip kicks in, kicks for territory well. Like, he's got that adaptability that if you start off and say, okay, 
we've, we can see our opposition is going to be this. We're going to try these two or three tactics early on and see if we can exploit what we think are their weaknesses. But by doing that, we will prove that they are or aren't weaknesses. And also, just in their own play, we will be able to see where they're struggling and maybe not combining well on the day. And you've got to capitalize on that. You've got to get those messages out there. If, if the players themselves aren't picking up what's what the All Blacks are doing and struggling with, then that, and that's where your leaders and tacticians come in. But you've got to, as a coach, be getting those messages out there to the guys saying, okay, here's something to exploit. This guy's not playing or he's not reading these movements let's run more let's run more of these movements we've we've trained them let's let's now run a whole series of them at those two players and just confuse them turn them on their back turn them on their back foot and then you know then we're in the backfield and then we know what we do in that situation and you're you're talking about reacting after this game as well like pointing out finding the stuff that new zealand catcher gets out on and trying to fix it for the subsequent week where we have uh, another test at, at, at Eden Park, which will be even probably even more sh- telling for the way this Wallabies team is going to look. I was just going to say, I think it's important that we play to these first two games, and I think it's good to have an eye on the future, but a lot of what the public's going to view the Wallabies being as and under Rennie early on, they need results. I think it's very important we don't get smashed by 40 points in this first game to set a pretty poor tone for the rest of this international season, which is primarily being played in Australia. Yeah. Um, so I think that's that's a consideration that needs to be made. We need short-term results to, to get the rugby public in Australia back on board um, and get everyone behind Rennie in this new system. Do you think results in New Zealand with these first two games are more important than maybe losing these first two games but having a strong rugby championship in Australia on the home um, at I home think, grounds where you actually will have fans watching in live. You just need to be in these games, I think, to a point where you're not demoralised, where you're not getting beaten by a significant margin. I think that's important because where the, it's one for the players' morale and, and just their confidence, I think. So they we don't see the, the New Zealand media just blasting Australian rugby yeah. like they have been for Plus the they will. last six months. And they will when... Rennie's keeping his cards close to his chest, but they will definitely come after him if he if he kind of falters in this first game too much. The the young players in the squad, you, you need to support them, obviously, in their first few uh, encounters with the All Blacks and the Springboks and the Pumas. You don't want them to develop a heads-down <clears throat> losing culture um, or, or, you know, feel like they've, they've failed so badly... Um, that, you know they they can't recover. Oh, any well, player like no, he's, but he's it's... Got, the the point is that you you don't let them feel like they're not in the contest yeah. anymore, and they're yeah. so far out of the contest they can't catch up. So that's, it's about yeah. keeping them in the contest. If you lose, you lose well. You score your that's... own points, and you you give them things to work on. And the main thing is you don't lose the the respect of your opposition. So you don't. Com- completely collapse. If you're losing and you're losing by a lot, you stay in the fight. You do what you can well, but it's putting and you them give in a position fewer to things succeed. to work on. That's that's, that's what that's they the need main, to take a leaf out of, like the Queensland Reds book in that regard. Yeah. Like a team that has had its fair share of losses over the last two years, yeah, but continues to yeah to show promise, and people still see like um, talent in that team and see a future sort of going forward. So that's right. Their their team has been built so far on uh, you know, a bunch of guys getting a chance. They've had a lot of setbacks, 
but they've stuck it out and and they've then got to the point where they've you know had to take on the best Australian team that's been the best Australian team for a long time over that long average in their home stadium and they lost but that's another learning experience that's the next level next time yeah. they're in that situation they won't be as as overawed and and you know there won't be as much adrenaline because they've experienced it before and they know what they they slipped up on the previous time they'll know what they need to do and they need to build that same culture and same mentality into this group of people um group of players the, the reds guys will already have it but it's still a new experience for a lot of them and the other players need to get it and they need to be really hard-headed that all of these all of these games are potential wins they're all learning experiences if you are in a losing position you don't lose faith you still stick it out and you win as many of the battles as you can even though you lose the war so we have 15 players that are potential debutants in the Wallabies squad. Um, I'm going to read you out their names. I want you to tell me how many you think make their debut for the Wallabies this week. Just give me a number of them. So we just have this week. Just this okay, week. Just this week in the 23. <clears throat> so Angus Bell, Filippo Dalgunu, Pome Falmasili, Will Harrison, Tom Horton, Trevor Jose, Len Ikitao, Noel Alessio, Tate McDermott, Fraser McWright, Hunter Paisami, James Ram, Uray Simone, Lockie Swinton, Harry Wilson, Tom Wright. Four. I'm saying six or seven. Really? Four. Yeah. So you got and a lot like in Harry there. Wilson, you got to think about the locks and yeah. yeah Harry like, Wilson will be there. Tate McDermott. By rights, should be there. I, I can't see well, him not being at least... on the bench or starting, you think that yeah, he's going to be there, Depending right? on your 10. I think Harry Wilson surely is the lock for eight now that Nisarani's not there. He's the clear other competition. So According I've got Harry the... Wilson starting. I've got starting. Tate probably on the bench. Yeah. Um, I think someone of Dalgunu or Tom Wright's probably in the back reserves, possibly starting if it's Tom Wright, but between those two. And oh, then it's whether... Them... Surely one of them is starting, you think. Probably, yeah. But it depends what kind of permutations you get with... Yeah, for probably there is a starting winger in those two, but then maybe not one of them on the bench if that's the case. And then I guess, do we expect, and it depends on who they pick to start, a Noah or a Will Harrison making the bench? Because if you've got Tamur and James O'Connor on the field to begin with, then what, Hodge is your backup? Or you've got, you know... I, I think already you hate still need a reserve ten. Already I think <laughs> I'm hoping. Look, I'm hoping this is don't back to checker thinking. It's like, oh, we've got Hodgie on the bench, so he can cover every position. I so know. we don't need a specialist so backup. The bench is but, different. But if you put Tamura yeah. on twelve and go, oh, he's our ten if we need him. Oh, okay, so he's not actually a specialist twelve then, is he? And I hate I'd that. Still, really I'd still be like, have Noah on the bench if you start Jock. Yes, I would be because happy. Because if things to do, do go pear shaped, you can make that change. Yeah, um, and I think then you're blooding Noah. Yeah, and I think and it's a positive move. Simone misses out. If you start tomorrow at twelve, Simone's not on the bench because he's a twelve, no, and you're not exactly. going to pick a twelve on the bench. That's why I think you'd probably pick. I think Hodgie will be on the bench as the the utility back to cover a lot of different positions, but maybe you have a, a nine and a ten as well on the bench. It's probably like McDermott, Noah, Hodge. Yeah, I mean, I I actually think if they pick Jock, they'll pick Tate. That's my thinking. Oh, I mean, love so I think it. You pick I... one rookie and you pick one veteran. So like I... with Noah, then you pick Nick White to help him out. But I think I just get this feeling 
that Tamua is at 12. Yeah, I, guess, too, which I, I really... haven't heard anything about Simone. I haven't yeah. seen him in many photos. Um, just He's always been had a, I've, I've heard things about Paisami potentially being at 12 with Batea. Oh, like, there's been a lot of talk Please about Paisami suddenly Paisami. be getting I a... don't see it. I've I never seen it. I think that's false. Yeah, I think that's like... Oh, but... Fake He's news. right. There's been some narrative about that, that, that Paisami could make up that center combination. Yeah. And he's barely, you know, he's he barely a starter. Enough variety of skills. Uh, I think he's a starter at the Reds, but I don't think he's got just this kid, the depth though. of skills to be playing in the centers with someone like Patea because that, that just gives you... Too much of the same. Well, we it's need, more when you—it's more when you think that he's lining up against either Good Hugh, Anton Linnet Brown, or Rico Yuani, and you're like, "Well, Sami's never started at twelve for the Reds, though, has he?" Yeah, that's weird. He's um, always been at thirteen. That would surprise me more than them. Just he has played like one game at twelve because they think he's when some... they did have Patea, both of them just... in. I just think he's so unproven. He was at the Rebels. He made a few appearances. Went up to the Reds because um, the Rebels didn't want him. And like that, that makes 13. no that's no like reason though like saying that because the rebels didn't no, utilize limited. him well like no i'm saying it's limited experience even in super rugby so to yeah. bring him in and he's not a huge body like i know that we see him as an abrasive player but if you look at him physically he's a lot smaller than someone like rico yuani or tavita or even um is our retail comparison exactly exactly right and, he and started significantly started smaller. his life on the wing and yeah. it's been a much shorter career obviously but now moving perhaps into 13 he's he's a great comp, like comparison player to rico yeah. and i'd like three. to see him there i think they're not going to start icky Iktau, icky no, they're whatever. Not. They're not. but we only have three twelves. we have three twelves: tamua simone Jock. And Iki Tao. No, Jock's Iki not. Tao's no, no, not even... Tao's a, a yeah, he's a 13. Jock's so, a 12 as well. They yeah, talked but he, about but he's it. not... Surely he's not in this scenario. Now we're getting oh, into the so. stage where James O'Connor is becoming Hodge and he's just everywhere. If you well, start no, doing James that... James O'Connor is now a 10 and we, 10. Need to not, and we need to not variety him out of 10 unless you think he actually should be 13 like he was last year, which he was quite competent. Yeah, but, but still I have a problem at 12. I, I think he so, did a good job, but he was a, he was a makeshift thirteen. Yeah. It's because he's such a good player overall that he could do it. But long term, I don't think that's a, a place for him, particularly when he's 30, 31. And we we're getting we into a situation if we start swapping who's ten between say Tamura and Jock between these first two games. Surely he won't do that. That's going down show. the checker rabbit hole of I really Beal, hope Foley, so. I really hope he doesn't do that. You know, because it's the same situation we had with like. Oh, no, we can put Bernard Foley at 12 or we can put Tamur at 12 oh, and swap them. And then, gross. You know, because they're doing the same thing. It's like, well, they're not. You know, a first five and a second five, they, they have different jobs. They're yeah. not the same player. Off the back of... Uh, off, he's yet to know that. the opposition scrum, you want, you, know, you want Bernard Foley at 12? Like, that's insane. Well, that's it. They've, they've, in New Zealand, you never have the conversation of Moanga or Barrett at 10 or 12. It's putting them at fullback it or at 10. used like... to be the model, right? This is what England get into trouble with, with Farrell and George Ford. And it's not ideal. They play much better when Farrell's at 10 and you've got Tuolangi there at 12 because he's a traditional 12. When you put Farrell at 12 and Ford at 10, they're undersized and they just don't... They don't open up the back line like they should. I think that's, that's a real issue for England. And I think 
Australia's had those issues in the past. Yeah. I'm hoping we move away from that. The answer to this question would have been Samu Karevi. Would have changed the whole dynamic of this. Yeah. But I think at the moment, ideally, we want Simone going forward. I have a feeling it's not quite his time to shine. I think Tamu is going to be trusted early on in this campaign. Um, but he should just stay at 12. And if he does that, I think we can we can work with that because he's a good defender. So he's going to lock up that channel. He's a second ball player if you need him. But he can also take the ball to the line. We're going to have yeah. to probably we've, sacrifice We've always said that he's a better here. 12 than he is a 10. Yes, 100%. Yeah. And he's a smart footballer. He can kick, he can pass, he can do it all. But we want him in that in that position. We don't want him shifting into 10. Looking at the forwards, like we're just concentrating on the backs because we just love concentrating on the backs. Um, so the we talked about Harry Wilson and Leo, you were pretty adamant saying that he was going to be your eight. I mean, going by like the, I know it doesn't mean a lot, but like the fan poll on like the Wallabies site and things, Samu was getting by far more votes for to start at eight um, on that. Do you think? Do you see there any way that Wilson isn't even in the twenty-three this weekend? No. No chance yeah, he's not in the twenty-three. That. If he's not starting eight, he's he'll be having the twenty on his back, hundred percent. Put money. I think you're right. I All think right. you're right. Unless they, you know, I think Fraser's a great player, but if they have him as the reserve back rower, I think we're going to get into trouble as well. We need some size in this in this yeah. forward pack. Yeah. Fraser um, is injury why... protection for Hooper which will probably never be relied upon because Hooper just somehow is indestructible. Well, unless we try and change the game and bring on, you know, two or three fetches at the end or just have two or three fetches on the field. If you're starting Liam Wright and then you go to a smaller mobile back row in the later, later stages of the game, um, I think we need to combat this All Blacks team well, when with you our think size. We're going so to gonna... look at an All Blacks back row, which from my mind is most likely Sam Kane, Hoskin Satutu... And Frizzell or Artie Sevilla at six. I mean, they're gonna smash. That's a, that's a they're gonna smash. So yeah. we need to have you need size ready to take that on. I think Valentini should be a strong consideration at six, and I'd have Harry Wilson at eight, and I'd have Samu as my utility coming off the bench, covering all three back row mm. spots. Any um, chance that they do a six-two back um, bench split? I don't think so. If you've got Tamua and Jock, Jock and Tamua at 10-12, and you don't have your backup Noah or your backup Harrison, like, I just think that's, that's a mistake. When, does anyone going to put Hodge there, and that's the only person you can rely on? If there's any other injuries in the do. back line, you're in big trouble. Yeah, um, if you start Patea, you're I wouldn't advise that, but who knows? Yeah, it's true. I if just, you start Patea, you can't do that um, split. You just can't. Because can't. you, you so, just know that he is a risk. But he's probably worth the risk, know. but he's a risk. Yeah. Imagine you start Hodge at 13. So it goes Tate, Tate, Jock, Tamua, Hodge. Um, you then have Ooh. Marika. Yeah, I'm not, this isn't a team I like, but, but Marika and Tom Wright and Banks, say. Then That's your right. reserve can be Nick White and. Nick White, obviously, and you know, Maddox, even with DHP. Patea's a lock for the twenty-three unless he's injured. There's no well, way you don't I mean. have him in there. I, I don't think he's in that group unless you've got the two, the, unless you've got the five-three yeah. split. But if you don't have him included because you're worried about his 
injury, then then maybe there's a version where you go six two, and then maybe you can have Samu and Fraser McWright to sub yeah, no, uh, Harry like Wilson and, and a and a Liam Wright or Valentini. Like anyway, we're talking about we're talking about the forwards. We're talking about the forwards. Stick with the traditional split on the bench, though. Let's not get too crazy. First game of the year. Yeah. So you I'm were talking about debutants before. Did no one took into account potentially uh, Trevor Hosea coming off the bench? I did. I was. That's. I had him maybe on part bench. of six. Yeah. Yeah. I think because he, he he's very very raw, but I yeah. can see Rennie maybe taking a gamble in the second row off the bench. If you're starting Salakai Loto, I think Simmons will get the start. Um, I think it's going to be. I think it's going oh. to be Philip Salakai Loto to start. With Simmons Hosea on the, on the bench, that's why you I don't think, think you don't think Simmons will be there. I don't think so. Mm. I think as long well, as they're not too I worried think... about Matt Phillip and Salakai Loto in the lineout, which makes me more sort of thinking that they're going to put Samu into the back row somewhere because he's um, more use, use, uh, usable in the lineout as well. Um, hey, Wilson's pretty lineout. you can lift Valatini, surely. And so hey, Wilson, Wilson and well. Liam Wright were the two guys that got lifted with Lucan in the Reds. Well, I don't know about. I didn't remember seeing Harry a lot of Harry Wilson getting lifted and taking yeah, lineouts. I saw a lot of Pete Samu being a target in the lineouts for the Braves. Yeah, yeah. Liam Wright, okay, so and Lucan. Liam Wright, Wilson I would give, but I don't think on an Liam eight-man lineout. So. Eight-man lineout. Harry Wilson was in lifted. terms of the locks, though. I don't think you want a situation where you're stuck with Philip and Simmons as your full-time locks. I think you need some more more kind of dynamic player in there, more of a dynamic player, which I think is your Hosea or your Salakai Loto. So I don't think you'd start both of those guys. I think Salakai Loto will definitely be there in he's, one of the Yeah, he's spots. your first pick for and a lot. I think it's between Philip and Simmons. And I've seen actually a lot of footage and stuff of Philip lately. They this like week, Philip. So Philip's getting like I think they like a him. Bit of a storyline going. But Simmons might be the veteran. Coming Who plays off the eighty minutes? Who plays? I think 80 Salakai Loto. I think I think all of them can play eighty minutes if they need yeah. to. Philip I mean, definitely does. Super, but Salakai Loto now can do that. Um, we've seen that he's able yeah, to do that. The rest steps up enough. Simmons it definitely plays eighty. Conservative measure would be Simmons and Lucan, and you give yourself room to sub Lucan within the eighty and put Matt Phillip on. Well, there you go. We'll, we'll just have to wait and see. What about props, debutants, Angus Bell? No. Do you think he gets in there? No. No. No, no. chance. So you're. No. So you have Simmons slipper as one sort of set of props, and then what? Talent, Taniella and Ella and no. Hang on, hang on. No, Simmons. Yeah. CEO Slipper, sorry. CEO Slipper and Taniella Alatoa. There's okay. no, 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 no. Here's, here's what I've seen, though, and I, I got thrown off by the, the player poll that had Alatoa at loose head. But then I've read one or two more articles that suggest that he'll be picked at loose head. Um, and I know that he can Is play that both sides. just trying to get both him strong. and Taniella on? That's the I only think reason. they're basically like Alatoa is a guy we want on the field, but we also want Taniella on there, and they're both tight heads. So we're going to sacrifice. I think maybe even Co will get sacrificed. Mm. Um, have slipper on the slipper. bench, and then you know. But then, are you picking another tight head on top of that? Like, are you getting three tight heads in your your four props there, or are you just going to have Co and slipper on the bench? But then you got a problem. Are you going to say, okay, once T 
Taniella plays 60, we bring on the other loose head and we shift Alalatoa back to tight head because we know he can play the 80. Mm. Is that their thinking? I, I'm i really unsure with this because that, that player poll was just like, okay, they obviously don't know the difference, the general public, between loose head and tight head props. But I don't know if that was just that was done intentionally. The the options for selecting those players had a lot more players available at loose head. It wasn't a 50-50 split. Yeah, it, was, squad. it wasn't a very well-designed thing. First of all, they had the tight head on as the first yeah, player you picked first pick. rather than... Yeah. And it's then they just, also didn't have Samu be able to pick anywhere else other than eight, which makes no sense. I think Christy Doran wrote about it, and he suggested the Alatoa was at loose head without really clarifying, okay, well, that's not his normal position. Do you think the um, Wallabies scrum holds up against the All Black scrum? Yes. Yes. What yep. about the line-out? I don't out? think the All Black scrum is one Line-out I'm more worried about. Course. Yeah, I think their line-out, there's more potential for things to go pear-shaped. I think, actually, we could have some ascendancy in the scrums. Okay. We pick the right props. Um, and, yeah, I think it's a lot to do with the makeup of the second row as well. The, the debutantes in the, the Wallabies. Yeah, the debutantes in the Wallabies is what I think makes the line-out a dodgier prospect, whereas the scrum, I think they can all pack in and, and that will be okay because they've all shown that they, they're capable. The line out's a lot more combinations, familiarity. You're the it's back the line, back, back row. You, well, the back row you name for the All Blacks, Sam Kane, Adi Savia, Satutu's new. Um, but the second rowers will presumably be Whitelock and Tui Pilotu. And, and Tui Pilotu, like, those starting. guys have been around. Like that, that will be a very, a very like unified line. I think they'll be you know pretty classy. Well, these guys. These guys are used to playing with each other. Like you'll have White Lock in there, of course, and their front row will be pretty experienced too. So, yeah. All Blacks are definitely a more cohesive unit overall, yeah. um, which worries me. I think that's probably the thing that's working most against us. Mm-hmm. We're going to have a lot of new faces in this twenty-three, whether we like it or not. I think we we are in favour of it, to be honest. Um, if you're going to do it, it now's the time. Who's who's your player to watch then for this weekend? Like, who do you think is going to have a performance that we see and say, yeah, that was the right decision, have him there, or this guy is going to wear Wallaby gold for the next five years or to the next World Cup? Liam Wright, if he's in the starting back row. Okay. I think Tate. And if he's I not, Terry Wilson. One of them Tate McDermott? I've changed my, I've changed my you tune. You were very Nick White before. I was, I was, but I think now, thinking of combinations, I just don't see how you... You have to pick Jock. I think Noah would be a bit of a mistake. But remember, Given... Nick White and Jock were all there last year in the World Cup campaign. There's no reason why he can't have two experienced guys. I think Tate, Tate's running game really sets oh. him apart. Which um, maybe that's better later stages of the game, when people are tired. Yes and no, yes and no. I think Nick White can run the ball too. He just doesn't do it as often now. Um, but he's a very physical number nine. Tate's cover defense, Tate's sniping ability... He's just rugby now. So he's very impressive for a young player. Mm. But then I, you know, you hear New Zealand players talking about it. Some of um, this, the fringe All Blacks guys were like, "Look out for Jake Gordon," you know, because Rennie likes a bigger number nine, um, like a Tewara Kerbalo kind of player. Red herring. Yeah, the Chiefs, um, bigger number nine, you know, try scorer, and that's who Jake White is. Look, I, I don't see him in the top two halfbacks. Jake White. At the 
Shane White, Gordon. former South African coach, was a great he's scrum half. He's a, he's a big unit. <laughs> um, Elite around the ruck. Jake Gordon, I think, is the third choice. Um, but there could be some real surprises in here that we're not thinking about. Yeah, and I, I feel I like there's going to be one or two selections that's going to be completely sort of left wing. I think it's wing. going to be Paisami. And I think it's really going to throw us off. Um, and I think it potentially could be at 13 if Patea is not fit. But whatever happens, we will trust Rennie. Give him a chance. Hashtag to trust Rennie. Something. Give him time. Give him time. Give him time. Don't undercut think... him with how ridiculous that there will be method to the madness even if we can't see it. Paisami is a, a great prospect, but In two I do years worry time. about his size. He plays above his weight, which is a great thing, but it also means you can just get broken by guys that are actually that much bigger than you, hitting mm. you consistently in a Bledisloe. Like that's it's a big factor. Yeah. Um, and he's never played international footy. But who knows? Maybe he's up to it. Predictions for the game. Oof. It's Wellington, really tough, isn't it? Isn't it? Yes, Wellington. I mean, it's, at least it's not Eden Park. I think if we were starting there, it could could get ugly real quick. I think playing in the keg tin, it's a what, less hostile environment. But what's the spectator count? Is it full access, full stadium? No oh, restrictions. Yeah. No restrictions. Okay. They sold thirty five thousand tickets. I'd read mm. on I think Monday out of what a possible forty five thousand or something. Yeah, so I think so I think they're thinking it's going to cool. be sellout, sort of for, around forty thousand, I'd say at least. Which is like that's great. I mean, that's it's a long time since these players have played in front of a, a proper crowd, which is going to be another factor. I think it's going to be a real cauldron. Then we know what it's like playing in New Zealand. It's it's really tough. Um, there won't be many Australian fans there, Arch. You might be one of the the only few that I'll are be there. there. I'm making the trip involved. down to Wellington. In New Jersey? Yep. I'll be wearing... Incognito. I've got the Indigenous jersey to rock out. I'm sitting in a section that I think is pretty much all, um, like, Hurricanes members sort of area, so that's going to be interesting. <laughs> but we'll see. If I don't show up the... next week, um, you guys will know why. It's definitely the play to make friends with them, though, isn't it? You can't really be hostile in that environment, being outnumbered. You just no. got to kind of take it Roll on the chin. If I'm pretty sure we tried slab. that once when we were at a game in Scotland, guys, and then we we didn't <laughs> didn't end up too well after Australia lost to Scotland oh, at Murrayfield. Okay. Record loss. <laughs> really sad. That was yeah. Less yeah, than I think deal. predictions tough. I think you can't expect a win. I don't expect us to win this game, but I hope we put in a good performance. Um, probably pick the All Blacks by twelve points at least. I, I would like to go a little bit under that and I guess like a little bit more depth to it. If, if we lose within 10, I think we certainly haven't lost respect, especially, I mean, either way, whether it's high or low scoring, I think that's, you've either kept them to a low score or you've, you've matched them. But I would like to keep them under 30 happily. Maybe we don't break through them, but we learn a bit about their, their tactics in this campaign. Mm-hmm. And... What I really don't want to see is us conceding points at the end of the first half, like the Crusaders are just known for always getting some points, like forcing their opponent to leak a penalty or or a try there late in the piece, and it just gets your head down going into the break. So being really strong in that first 40, uh, hopefully learning a bit about how the All Blacks are set up, and again, having the coaching staff give a few... Um, 
points of, of adjustment to then take into the second half and maybe open things up a little bit more. But this is it's not a real the game. feeling out period. Yeah, this is not a game to go in expecting we're going to blow through them in the first twenty, put put two or three tries on and scare them out of the yeah. scare them out of the game. It's not that is not the I way can, we could, this game in my mind. We could have it's, a very slow start here. Yeah, yeah I feel I like the first twenty minutes are going to be very out. sort of conservative rugby. But, physical... but the All Blacks, I think the All Blacks will try and blow us out. I think they'll be like next generation, bam. I think yeah, they'll try and really nail us. So it's a big defensive twenty, and then you know try and get try and get some points in that second 20, but also be very focused on not giving the game up at that point, going to halftime, keeping it fairly even. Yeah. And then the second half, you know, there's going to be fatigue. There's going to be that, that adrenaline high of the start of the game is going to wear off. And that's where sort of anything that could happen and use the subs. Well, make sure that we stay strong defensively and, and don't be too concerned with, um, putting on a heap of points. If they're not putting on a heap of points, just stay in the match. You, you never know. If you keep it within seven, anything can happen in the last five or ten. So Australia is six to one underdogs, which I think is pretty fair. Maybe a little bit I not disrespectful. That's usually but... we usually win one in five games against the All Blacks. So being in New Zealand, one in yeah. six. So that's that's pretty fair. Yeah, there's fifteen point margin. On that, I think so we want to beat um, we want to beat the bookies in the margin is where I'm at. Yeah, and I thought I think twelve is fair. Like I think if we lost, you know, thirty two to twenty, we'd be like, okay. I'm very much. Great, I'm very it's, much. It's with, something we can build on. Yeah, I'm very much with Leo. I think it's a success if it's less than ten point margin. Mm. I think you'd be very happy coming away given, from the first game of the season. I think we need that. that. Might that might be adjusted based on the team that's selected as well. Yeah. They're mm. just speculating on the lineups, and if there's yeah, some true. key debutants in the starting lineups, oh, that could be... that line could go either way because it could shift. be, oh look, this is a much more dangerous team, or oh look, yeah. they're, they're picking a bunch of debutants. Ha <laughs> ha, easy meet, you know. So it's like, if, yeah. okay, if you if you pick Tate, Tate Jock, tomorrow, I don't think I've ever uh, heard you say Tate's name so many times, like in half an I'm hour. I'm loving it. He's Tate just Tate, Tate, Tate. He wishes he had hair like Tate. Oh, it's a the ball cut. The ball cut. The ball. It's the gotten bomb slightly ball. better over the last couple of years, but it, it's horrendous. I think he's <laughs> going for the surfer look. It's not quite working for him. It's like he's a year six primary school student. It's better than when he had um, the long locks. Yeah, true. Um, but I'll let his play do the talking. He doesn't need to worry about his haircut too much. Um, but if yeah, if you have Tate there, you have Jock, you have Tamil, that's solid. Then you bring in Patea. I think he should start at thirteen. Um, if he's healthy enough. And then Marika's on one wing. I get the feeling they'll go with Dalgunu, and I think they'll go with DHP, which is not... Yeah, I know, I know. (laughs) You can't have Marika and Dalgunu. You just can't. I think they want someone that's... I think you can if you have DHP there. Oh, my God, no. Because he's he's more... It's like you, you want someone that's seen it all, essentially, and DHP's seen a lot of international rugby. I think that's a defeatist... No, but you're, you're picking specialist wingers. Dalgunu has a bit more of a kicking game. Mm. I think if you're picking Banks, Dalgunu, and Korobiti, that's overly aggressive, and I think that... I could, think it's Banks, Tom Wright, start. and Korobiti. Because Tom Wright and Banks will have the combination. That's, a very, that's a very running rugby podcast pick. I don't know if well, anyone thanks. else is picking that. We, we pick that Tom combo Wright a lot, but a lot of other people do not line those three up. That's, that's wild to me. 
Like, I know Dalgunu's really flashed, but you've got to look at a bit of the combination yeah. and a bit of the experience. Like, Marika and Banks are solid. Dag- uh, DHP is a poor man's Banks. He just he doesn't do anything uh, better than Banks. Does not in, he? Not in the international level, though. Banks is not yet proven, and this is the problem. We keep going, well, if we're going to select some younger wingers or a younger centre, we probably want some stability there at the back. So we really want to risk Tom Banks, you know, because he's quite fresh as well. So we keep falling into that trap that you go... Well, DHP, I guess, because, oh. you know, I'd rather pick Hodge there, to be honest. I'd rather have Hodge yeah. at 15. I think Hodge would do a better job, but neither yeah. inspire just, me. I think you've got to give... future yeah. as well. Like, I know we, we're not trying to just think two years, three years ahead, but um, okay. is DHP the guy there. to win you these games either? I don't think so. I think Tom Banks is a try scorer. You want him there. Yeah. But... DHP, Tom Wright, and Marika then, because I, I just don't think you can have Dalgunu yeah. with Marika. They, they, they have a is... lot of similar skill set and yeah. there's not enough kicking and there's you know there's for someone who's not got that that extra defensive like settle the game skill is a bit more attacking oriented if he's the new guy he's the risk that you can overawe him and look make him look silly and he doesn't have enough weapons to counter out of it mm. i think dalgunu is his case being pushed forward a lot more than i expected and that's probably given his you know, late form in Super Rugby AU. He looked great. Top try scorer in Super Rugby AU. And I think they love his work through the middle, like Korobiti. He gets himself involved. He injects himself more than Tom Wright does. Tom Wright's someone who sticks very much out more on the wing, um, does exactly what he's meant to out there. We know he has the skills of a 5'8". He can, he can do that, which I think is encouraging as well. Um, I just get the feeling that Maybe Dalgunu's name is being shouted a bit louder. But if he has one poor performance, you can see them going back to, say, a Hodge or a Tom Wright on, on that right wing. So be interesting. Did you Can't guys, wait to see. Did you guys see the video of the Wallabies training camp? And they were actually... Leo, I'm sure you'll appreciate this because you've called for this for years of wanting the wingers to practice being able to dive, sort of do the league sort of style try finish diving out yeah. over the sideline and getting a grounding of the ball and then landing yeah. on a pad. It's good to see. No, yeah, they're but... hitting them. They're hitting them and then... Yeah, yeah, they're, yeah they're, they're running into a sideline. pad, getting knocked yeah, out yeah. over towards the sideline. They have to jump dive and... Uh, so which we know that's... the intention of that, that's, that's making sure that their centre of gravity is heading over the sideline. You have to get that sort of reach and rotation to, to be able to keep the ball in play. What's interesting is some guys, I think... I think it was James Ram. Clearly takes a lot more of a jump, probably because he's going, "Ooh, Jim, Jim, Matt." He's going to land on that. Whereas you see someone, uh, who was the other one? I think it might have been. It was might have been Marika, who was a lot lower. Like he kept his body height low, which Marika is tends good to, to burrow in. Yeah, but but if you think if you're going to ground, you don't need to do the massive swan dive leap because then suddenly you're falling a meter potentially onto your shoulder. Marika's keeping it low reaching out and just sort of tuck and roll. These other guys are doing a nice little flop on the gym mat. I think, again... They'll break like themselves is, or knock the wind out if they do it on the turf. Marik is playing to his lower body height as well, I think, because Ram is probably... Ram is like three. a leaping athletic yeah. kind yeah, of guy. Yeah. So it's just funny, because yeah. with knowing there's a mat there is very different. Obviously, they need to protect 100%. their bodies. But, mm. uh, no, it's good, because that's... that's And now, it's an essential skill. It's, it's one of those 5% sort of difference makers. If you going over the sideline can put that ball down for the try, you know, such a valuable five points. Mm. You don't actually have to beat the defender. You don't actually have to get through clean 
to land the ball. You can basically extend the width of the field by a meter or two. So that's effectively what you're doing. Did you also notice they're doing a lot of reaction drills with tennis balls and, you know, basically like unpredictable where's the ball going or you got to catch it. Like you've got to actually be on your toes at all times. So that's very much a Kiwi thing as well. Expect the unexpected, you know, expect the pass even where it's, you know, you can't even see the ball just flips out the back. Like James O'Connor's been doing that the last year or two where he's just got these random offloads. You've always got to be expecting it. I think that's something Rennie's drumming into them. Um, and those skills, like they've been, you know, Australia's been working on those handling skills, particularly in the last two years, I think. Yeah. Um, we've made it more of a focus. But I think Rennie might even take that to the next level. Um, I think our under 20s are going to bring that through really strongly. That was a huge, I think they, yeah, they huge emphasis in that. Who have the better basics. And there's like some Harry guys Wilson. who we've still got. Yeah, Harry Wilson, but. You know, um, obviously size, Noah and Will are, are really, really good. But just, just across the board, Tom Horton is not a... Like these other guys we're bringing in who, who just have those better skills as fundamentals, they're, they're going to be able to like just Jose bring up. the level up across the 15. And that's going to make such a difference because we've seen that many good attacking opportunities go to pieces because of a bad pass. Yeah. Or a pass that wasn't adjusted for a poor line. Because the players, you know, the player just didn't have the 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 skill to kind of flatten it out if he if he needed to. Lots of loopy wide cutouts. You cut out two people and you've thrown it halfway to the moon, and the defense is already there, ready to catch it. You know, so the fact that we're bringing that through now is now as well as well as that's that's going to help so much. It's going to just change the pace of play. So obviously we're going to have to wait for this weekend, and we'll have another big recap next week. Um, other things going on around in the world. Looking forward, obviously, the Rugby Championship is starting in November back in Australia. You already have teams like the Pumas assembling in Australia, being in quarantine. The famous trader Michael Checker going to join the Pumas coaching staff, joining Ledesma. Um, I think they're not letting him in until quarantine finishes for him. They're trying to hold him out as long as possible. And the South Africans finally got back into some professional footy they had the Springboks green versus gold um, teams, which was, Toby, I believe your idea for the fantasy draft. Um, they put it into play. They even stole your names despite one of the teams not actually wearing a gold jersey. Someone, Someone's listening to us in South Africa and they're definitely taking some Razzie. good advice. But Razzie's there. Razzie's on He listens on every week. I know he does. Shout out to Razzie Erasmus. It's like, hopefully, I mean, I didn't see this at all and I... I mean, I think it's a great idea. It's a great concept for future years. Um, the game was disappointing. The quality it of play was pretty Yeah, warm, it wasn't that which great. Which maybe expected, given this, this layoff period that the Springbok players have had. And hopefully that, you know, they're going to take some time to get up to speed. And whether we see Australia, eh, once they get here playing them, or, you know, they're going to be playing some club sides maybe. But they're going ha- to they're gonna have a lot of work to do, along with the Pumas, to actually get up to speed. Another thing, no. Arch, just... Up in up in the northern hemisphere, so we've had the premiership yep. rugby come back to life to finish the the 2019-2020 season. Um, so a week out from the finals, and there's been this huge spike in COVID cases in the South Sharks yeah, team. Yeah, that's all that. So they had to push back the game from last weekend to I think I believe it's scheduled for tonight. Um, so they're that's playing, the Warriors, think, right? 
against the Warriors. If they win, they make the finals. They're named a pretty strong team, but if there's any more positive cases that come out, that game will get cancelled and Sale will miss making the top four playoff. Mm-hmm. But at the moment, I think you've got Exeter in there topping the table. So Nick White's old team. And Dave Dennis is still playing for them. That's pretty big for him. Um, then you've got Wasps in second. The mighty Wasps have kind of risen up the table and they've finished in second. I believe the Bristol Bears are in there. Yeah. I think it depends whether Sale make it or perhaps Bath, something like that. But, you know, that's coming to the, the point at the end of the season. In You've that sale team, do you know whether any of the Springboks players were affected? I think the three brothers are in it. I think... Um, the Dupree brothers? The, the, yeah, they're, they're all three of them, I think, are starting. Okay. Um, which was surprising. I wonder... I mean, they have massive squads over here in the Premiership, so they can take, you know take on a lot of injuries and, and things like that. I mean, COVID's another thing they have to deal with, but 16 players, you would have thought they would have been depleted quite a lot, but their team still still looks quite strong. Yeah. Um, I have to say I'm not across the whole squad in general to know yeah. who's missing, but um, look, they're playing off tonight, hopefully, and you'll get that top four, and then you've got the semis, and leads into the, the following weekend is the Champions Cup to be played off. Um, I think that's Exeter and Russing. So Kirtley will be featuring in that. And you've got also the, the Challenge Cup or whatever, the one below that playing as well. And then finally the Premiership will finish up towards the end of October. Then I believe they start the new season quite soon. So it's very much condensed into what's going to be pre-season. Well, and we have this, the Eight year. Nations going to be kicking off at some point during this as well, right? Yeah, I think so. You've got on Halloween, I believe, on the 31st of October, you've got the last round of fixtures for the 2020 campaign. So actually finalising who will be the winner of the 2026 Nations. And then I expect, obviously, you know, come February 2021, they'll start their next season as well. So mm-hmm. it's um, jam-packed rugby up in the Northern Hemisphere at the moment, but we're certainly dealing with COVID a lot more than, say, what, what's been going on in Australia and New Zealand. Absolutely. All right, boys, we'll leave it there. Some... Crazy in-depth analysis there. I like it. I'm really excited for this weekend. Can't wait to get myself down to Wellington, um, show some Aussie pride and see what the the Rennie Wallabies look like. Um, make sure you guys are checking out all our social media, Instagram and Twitter at Running Rugby Podcast and at Running Rugby Pod, respectively. And we know you're already subscribed to us on all the places you live to listen to your podcasts. Be like Razzie Erasmus. You're subscribing to us on Spotify. I'm sure he's on there um, listening to see what, what he thinks he, um, we should do with his Springboks players come the Rugby Championship. Thanks for tuning in, everyone. We'll be back next week to break down the Wellington Test and look at Eden Park. And as always, keep on running. Run.